You're listening to the Adventist on Fire podcast, aofire.org. Thanks for joining me, Ivor. Thank you for having me. Um, I just wanted to take a quick moment. I know we're in a rush, but um, <laughs> take a quick moment to throw some random questions at you. Okay. Just to get a bit of feedback from you. I think James was last telling me about your Revelation series that you've been mm-hmm. doing on 3 ABN. Mm-hmm. And so I imagine that you're somewhat of an expert in those areas, and I have high expectations. <laughs> <laughs> somewhat, somewhat. <clears throat> Maybe um, if you could just give us a brief recap of um, your testimony. Um, I think it's online on YouTube already yeah. for people to watch. Yeah. But So basically I came out of the music industry, um, was introduced to the Adventist message while I was in the music industry. Uh, it would had a very profound um, impact upon me and led me to leave behind a million-dollar contract um, to preach the three angels' messages. Hmm. So that's it in a juiced form. Awesome. And that was um, uh, singing or rapping? Or? Hip-hop, rap music, Hip-hop. yep. Okay. Yep. So I guess you were okay at it if they were going to offer you that sort of money? Yes. Okay, good. Yeah. Um, and your ministries that you're involved in now, what are they? So we have Power of the Land Ministries. Um, that's been up and running for almost 20 years. Um, we started Army Ministries about 10 years ago. And that's A-R-M-E? <clears throat> A-R-M-E. Um, it uh, stands for Adventist Revival Movement for the End Times. Uh, but it also stands for Arm Me with the Word of God. So basically, it's a traveling school. We teach people how to study how to pray, and how to witness. And so that's the emphasis of the Army Bible Camp. Does that go for a amount of time? Like how long does that go for? So it's a five-day camp. So we usually run it from a Wednesday to a Sunday. And um, usually we have anywhere from 300 to 600 people per camp. Yep. Yeah. Um, now your style of preaching, mm-hmm. um, there's... Would you call it analogies or allegories? Um, so um, I am really into types and anti-types. So I'll take an Old Testament story and look for the gospel application of that story. Um, and what I really like to do is focus on Jesus in the story. So how does the story relate to Jesus? How does it relate to us? And then how does it relate to the church as a whole? I guess um, one of my favorites... Um, is how you relate the specific prophetic timely Adventist mission to the sanctuary. Mm-hmm. Um, can you give us just a brief recap of, of the way the denominations lay out there? So we're, you're talking about the blueprint message and um, the, the climax of the message is showing how during the Dark Ages you had a distorting of the truth. And how over a period of 500 years, culminating in 1844, God brought these different movements on the scene um, to basically restore the truths that had been lost during the Dark Ages. And so those uh, denominations, movements, um, including Wycliffe, it included the Lutherans, uh, it included the Presbyterians, the Baptists, the Methodists, and finally the Adventist Church. And each one of those movements restored a particular truth that had been lost in connection with the sanctuary. The neat thing about it is that none of these movements knew what they were restoring while they were restoring it. So it's not like they were like, well, you know, here's what needs to be restored, so we're going to um, 
work on this article or work on that article of furniture. No, it was actually, I think, divine evidence um, to show the truthfulness of the sanctuary message because they were fulfilling something that they did not know they were fulfilling. What um, <clears throat> is that your favorite analogy, or do you have a? Do you have is a that my favorite? There are, I have a lot of favorites. <laughs> so I think, you know, over the last, I'd say, 10 years, I've been really focused on finding Christ in the scriptures. And um, so looking specifically at Old Testament stories, Joseph, Isaac, Jacob, Moses, um, <clears throat> Jonah, and finding Christ in those stories um, has become a real passion of mine. And uh, finding Christ in those stories that you would not normally think, okay, yeah, Christ is in this story. Um, there's a story of the, uh, the man of God who, remember, God tells him to go a certain way and, you know, not to... Um, not to eat, and I forget which king it was now that he was told, you know, don't, don't go this way, this king, I want you to deliver this message, and you're going to come back this way, do not eat, do not stop to do anything in this place. So this false prophet comes, comes and says, hey, I'm a prophet also, and God told me to tell you to come eat with me. And the amazing thing about that story is, you know, it's one of those random stories that you're just like, yeah, you know, Jesus definitely isn't here. But you look at what the man of God does. I'm kind of speaking off the top of my head now. The, yeah. All the details aren't there. But he actually does very similar things to what the divine man of God, Jesus Christ, does. When he is told not to go to this place to eat anything, um, he's actually asked three times. It reminds me of Jesus being in the wilderness tempted three times. When the man of God on the third time finally goes to eat, he's destroyed. And I think that story shows the reality of, you know, you're like, man, this was a man of God. His name was man of God. You would think that he couldn't do any wrong, but he did do wrong and he died for it. Um, I think that story shows that it was totally possible for Christ to have sinned to have turned against his father. And had he done so, he would have suffered the consequences. So, you know, these stories kind of give uh, comparisons and contrasts to the person of Jesus Christ. And uh, again, that's just one that I just, you know, I thought of all yep. the top of my head. So I noticed um, you preached for like two and a half hours the other day. And at the end of it, you hadn't even broken a sweat and you looked <laughs> like you were ready to keep on going. <laughs> what is it that um, gets you most fired up at the moment in ministry? Is there a certain sermon or something that you've come up with or is there a different project you've got going on? Well, I think seeing people respond and get excited about the word of God is what feeds, you know, my desire to, um, to share messages like, like these. When, when you see the spark of excitement, of joy, of fire uh, light up in the eyes of young people, um, you know, when you hear them like verbally expressing excitement over the word of God, it's not something that you usually hear. And so, you know, seeing that happen with young people, older people, people saying, man, I cannot wait to go home and get into the word of God and see what I can find. Um, that is the thing that brings me um, 
much joy. So we're at a weekend prayer conference here and I asked a few of the other guys mm-hmm. what questions they would want to ask you. Um, so these are a bit random, but okay. we'll see what you come up with. One of them is asking if the Garden of Eden was before or after the fall, the fall of Satan in heaven. If the Garden of Eden was before or after, it was after the fall of Satan in heaven. That the Garden of Eden was made? Right, right. So in other words, when Satan fell in heaven, earth had not yet been created. Okay. Right, so the rebellion in heaven, in heaven happened before the creation of earth, of earth. Yeah. Okay. How is it? Is there verses that you can back that up with, or is it just the timeline? It, it's the timeline. Um, you look at Isaiah chapter fourteen. You look, you look at Ezekiel twenty-eight. Um, when God creates Adam and Eve, um, Satan is already there. Okay. Um, you know, he's he already knows. Uh, he's already speaking about who God is. Actually, that's in Genesis chapter 3. So he is already telling Adam and Eve, he's trying to turn Adam and Eve against God. By this time, Satan has already been cast out of heaven, which means that all the events of Isaiah chapter 14 and Ezekiel 28 would have had to occur before the creation of earth. Okay. Uh, do you have a favorite Bible version? That you um, like to use? Yeah, I use. I will use the KJV. That's my favorite ver- Bible version, yeah. and I will. I, you know, I use eSword. So often, I'll compare different Bible versions on a particular verse. But my study Bible is KJV. Do you have a, a personal study Bible that you use? Yep, yep. It's KJV, and uh, my favorite Bible is the Remnant Study Bible. Okay. So that's my that's my study Bible. All the cool kids have got one of those. Yeah. <laughs> so I got one too. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Nice. Um, what's the hardest message you've ever had to preach? Huh. The hardest message I ever had to preach uh, was actually preached about three weeks ago. It will be up on Audioverse in a couple of weeks. Wow. And it is called The Divine Stranger. And it's on racism. Hmm. And um, just the position of Adventism, uh, the position that Adventists should take when dealing with uh, racism and actually dealing with racism within the church. Um, not, uh, not on a uh, systemic level, but on a personal level. Yep. And so, yeah, that message was, uh, was difficult to preach, so... Yeah. Was it specific to a location and a time? Or was um, it just Well, you know, it's really the message is preached in light of what we see happening in the world today um, and how sometimes Adventists can get caught up in the hatred and anger that is um, prevalent among different political parties, you know, ideological parties. So it's kind of like showing, listen, as Adventists, we have to be careful not to get swept up um, in those kind of things and the kind of, you know, uh, worked its way into the issue of racism, hatred and different things like that. How do you go about preparing for your sermons? And is there any extra material you use outside of the Bible? Um, really it's just the Bible and, um, the way that I prepare my sermons, you know, there's, I, I have no, my sermons are prepared, uh, in my mind first, and then they are 
uh, worked out. In other words, uh, I'll be thinking of a story in the Bible, and once I get the seed to the to the sermon, everything else just kind of flow natu- flows naturally. So you don't just read, <clears throat> read your notes, obviously. Right, right. Um, I, when I write my, I don't write my sermons. I'll write kind of like key points and an outline, and you know, one word will trigger a thought, and then you know, I just I can move away and spend up whatever time I need on that particular thought. So. Uh, my sermons are very visual and they are um, designed that way to give maximum impact so people don't forget. Yeah. So, you know, has a, it paints pictures on the minds of those who are listening and uh, it, you know, helps them to remember that sermon two years, 10 years down the road. What about your workout routine? Somebody's <laughs> asked me what your workout, workout routine. So how tall are you? So I'm 6'3". 6'3". And uh, I weigh right now about two, uh, somewhere around 212 to 215. Yeah. Um, my workout routine, I'm basically in the gym uh, every day, yep. except for Sabbath. Um, a lot of weightlifting, um, mostly weightlifting. And um, I have a very unique, uh, I kind of approach weightlifting the same way I approach the Bible. So it's a very unique uh, method of weightlifting that I do that I'm experimenting with. And, um, Tell me more. So um, basically I'm strength training. Yeah. Uh, but what I will do with, uh, you know, I'm using weights, but for example, if I'm benching, um, my bench is a static bench. So I will, uh, you know, uh, lift the bar, I'll bring it down to where my muscle is, uh, my chest is um, taking the most weight, and then I'll hold it there for as long as I can. Right. That's my strength training. And once I cannot hold anymore, i put it back up, that's one set. Okay. So I'll do five sets of those, and that's almost strictly designed for strength, so when I was in the martial arts, that's what we would do to, you know, strengthen. You would like go down in a horse stance and hold that position for as long as you can. And that's how you would strengthen. So I'm basically taking that concept, doing it with weights. So everything I'm doing is like that. And, um, you know, so I've seen my strength increase in a very short time um, because of the focus on, on strength training, but using that very unique method of strength training and i actually witnessed you using this uh, unique advantage against one of my friends earlier today <laughs> in an yes, arm wrestle <laughs> and so i'm planning on putting that video on the uh oh, funny on the website <laughs> that is funny <laughs> just so they can see you slaying somebody yeah. <laughs> in arm wrestling um hmm. it was interesting before i was asking whether or not you were friends with randy skate for this yes, reason yes and, um, yeah so he's inspired yeah. you somewhat. So yeah, Randy has inspired me. He's uh yeah. And when I grow up <laughs> when you grow up you wanna be like Randy. Do you plan on memorizing your sermons front to back like he does as well? Yeah, that's All the uh, that I'm gonna leave that to Randy. Okay. So people often think, you know, I I've gotta you know, how do you remember all this stuff? And you know, my memory to me is not, you know, all that whatever, but Randy-ish. uh yeah, it's not that Randy-ish, but um, it's easy to memorize pictures. Yeah. And so, you know, that's kind of what I focus on in my sermons is the, is the memorizing of the pictures. And that makes it easy for me to just repeat them and whatever. So, 
Awesome. Yeah. So you're you're 45, aren't you? 45. And well, I'm 44. I'll be 45 September 23rd. Okay. Yeah. What's the future hold for you? More muscles or more preaching <laughs> or more different styles of ministry? Um, yeah, more different, uh, you know, always brainstorming and thinking of what can be done to further the work. So um, more ways of doing evangelism, more ways to try to bring revival to the church. Um, always... I'm always trying to kind of be on the cutting edge of what God's telling me to do. So just not being, you know, not being willing to just stay with the status quo, uh, but to try to always advance and do something better than I've done it before. Awesome. Yeah. So I've got here now the seven select questions. Okay. Uh, The first one being, what were the key elements of your conversion? Um, key elements of my conversion, I would say being introduced to the prophecies of Daniel and Revelation. That had a tremendous impact. What was your biggest barrier to committing to a life of ministry? Um, biggest barrier was the fame and money that I would, ha- I would have to give up to truly commit. Uh, who in the Bible do you relate to most and why? Um, I relate to Moses, I believe, the most. Um, just his... Because you killed a man? <laughs> no, <laughs> no, I haven't killed anybody. <laughs> I haven't killed anyone. But, um, I was hoping you had another one. That yeah. a terrible joke. <laughs> um, I think, you know, Moses, um, you know, talking to God as a friend, um, being given the sanctuary message, the sanctuary message has been something, you know, just very, very uh, dear to me. So um, I would say off the top of my head, Moses. Awesome. Yeah. Uh, do you have a favorite book? Or and, and let me add yep. Joseph. Joseph. Just, for what Joseph, reason? Joseph. Um, I think just uh, his, um, how his uniqueness um, often had a misunderstood and I think sometimes, you know, I've kind of come into this church as an outsider, hip hop guy. And so my experience is often difficult for, you know, others to understand. And um, so, yeah, that's why I would say Joseph would, I would also relate to him. Yeah. Did you meet your wife before or after your hip hop career? Uh, after. Okay. After. Was she Adventist already? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Just, just wondered. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you have a favorite book or resource that you'd recommend? I use eSword, and um, there's a book that I would recommend outside of uh, the Spirit of Prophecy. Um, There's a book that really changed the way that I study the Bible, and it is called The Certainty of the Third Angel's Message by Lewis Ware, who happened to be an Australian evangelist. Um, All the best ones are. Yeah, right. (laughs) He actually passed, I, I believe it was either in the 70s or 80s, I'm not sure. But um, I would definitely recommend his book or his books. He was way beyond his time and still is beyond his time. Awesome. What uh, spiritual mentor or leader has had the greatest influence on your life? Uh, I would have to say that um, I would credit Amazing Facts. Um, Joe Cruz, uh, even though I've never met him, it was just, you know, reading the Amazing Facts books that really grounded me um, in my walk with with the Lord, in my understanding of Adventism in my early years. So, hmm. yeah. 
What's the best advice you've ever received? Um, best advice I've ever received was the minister who asked me, what doest thou here, Elijah? <laughs> Which encouraged me to go into ministry. Um, if you were made conference president tomorrow, what would you do to help finish the work? I would reorganize our church to be uh, dependent on, not dependent, but I would reorganize our church structure um, to include small groups. I think right now our church structure stops at pastors, elders, and then you know, it's just everybody for himself. Yeah. So at local well. church level. Yeah. Structure. Right. I would, I would start from the grassroots and I would want every member of the church in a small group and have that be actually part of the system of the Adventist church. So we have the pastors, the elders, the small group leader. That would be a position that I would put in. And I believe that when we have small groups who are, you know, you got 10 small groups in a church who are each focused in their own way on doing evangelism. Um, you would see the church multiply uh, much more rapidly than it is now, I believe. Awesome. Thanks for your time, Iva. In uh, true Iva form, okay. we've juiced that down to 21 minutes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> nice. <laughs> and um, if there's any way that, um, anything that somebody wants to get in contact with you about, how would they get in touch with you? Um, email me at info at powerofthelamb.com. Cool. Or connect with me on Facebook. Thanks for your time, dude. Thank you. Advanced on fire. Go ye. A strategic board game that's more Adventist than Doug Batchelor eating haystacks on Sabbath. In Go Ye, players spread the gospel by investing in spiritual gifts, mission trips, and church organizational growth, while planting churches across a custom world map of 58 conferences and 10 divisions. The goal is to have the most TMI before the second coming, but will the GC president, the missionary, or the adventurepreneur get the biggest crown? Go ye to aofire.org to register your interest.